You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope of the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I have an amazing returning guest on as we open up this morning's discussion question. If we're going to get right into it. How can you Truth seekers out there listening, take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market. As I have real estate expert Natalie Varia Ajo on with me. Uh, thank you, Queen, for being with me again this morning. Uh, we've done this several times. I always Good morning. Love you back. Good I always morning. Tell people, <laughs> nah, absolutely. I tell people in, in, in this area, you're the best in the game. And so uh, hopefully uh, oh, people will be so out sweet. there and have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> have some questions to um, get into it. But either way, uh, I have some questions for you in reference to this morning's discussion question. But before we get into that, uh, give people a little bit of background and, and, and let them know why I hold you in such high esteems. Well, um, well, I appreciate those kind words. Uh, I think, uh, well, my background is a little bit different than most real estate agents. Um, I actually uh, i am originally from Sweden, so I come from a very multicultural background. Um, and I was a financial analyst and also uh, a business manager. And then I went into teaching marketing and business in high school for 10 years where I was a head basketball coach. So I actually transitioned into real estate not that long ago, maybe about 2015. But since then, have really um, taken uh, this industry by storm. I teach nationally for Keller Williams. I'm one of the top producers out of our Keller Williams bucket office. So really, I say all that to say that I was able to take the previous experience that I had in business, marketing, and finance and really apply it to my business. I think the reason you speak so highly of me, and thank you, made me blush this morning, Montoya, is because the one thing I think is different about me is it's all about my clients. And so I don't, if I sit down with somebody and I don't think they should sell their house, I'm going to tell them they shouldn't sell their house, they should hold on to it. Well, what did I just do? Well, basically, I took a pay cut. 
and, but I, I don't uh, operate based on making money or trying to. I truly look at myself as a wealth builder for people uh, by using real estate. So uh, guiding people on when they should buy, when they should sell, what side of town if they're trying to maybe do some investment properties. So that really that's what makes me different than some of the realtors that are out there. And I do this full time. So this is all I do. And anybody that knows me knows that I do it about 12 hours a day because I do love it. <laughs> Yeah, you absolutely do love it. And another piece I forgot about um, that you were that you taught for those years, and I've heard it, uh, you know, in <laughs> right. the past. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough. I think I met you, you know, just to even shout out uh, our good friend Harvey Macklin. I met you through his um, organization, and uh, and so I do now that you say that. I recall that you did teach, and that's the part that I always speak about because I'm always encouraging my friends who are going into the industry to get to know you or meet you and things of that nature. And you know, everybody's busy, so sometimes the follow up, you know, on their part doesn't always happen, but but again, I always try to get people to you because what I've been, mo- you know, actually the reason, and you, you mentioned part of the reason why I hold you in high esteem, as you said, because of I know you take care of your clients. But the other part is in you loving it, you are passion, passionate about teaching it. And so when I see you, you know, have other agents in a sense up under you go off and blossom, I would have, I would never would have realized that you, that you had only been in five years because uh, from all, from from you know as you said you've become a top producer you're actually you know a realtor if you will and so having agents up under you I didn't realize that it had been that amount of time but you know that just shows you what passion and and loving something can do you just kind of get ahead of, of the game but the thing that I love the most about you is the idea of how you teach other agents and as you said teach your clients what's the best decision so that's something that I've always admired and why I've always encouraged and wanted to, you know, um, send you business, if you will. And so today's right. discussion question And you know, is, the interesting you know, part, Adam, and before you even go to the question, go ahead, Monte, I just wanted to add one thing to that. And, and the big part about what I always say is uh, if you start looking at who owns houses and who owns investments, there's a big disparity on, on demographically who they are. So I'm mm-hmm. big on uh, I do still host in homebuyer seminars. I want to make sure that, that people know the steps to become homeowners. You know, if you're looking at certain demographics and certain um, – the, the, the kids pretty much right at 25 or under will buy their first house. And then you're looking at some of the minorities where that's not the case, where maybe their parents are still renting. And there's no reason if somebody has a job and has income – there's no reason they can't own a house. Sometimes you just have to come up with a game plan to get to it. Uh, you know, sometimes we have credit challenges. Me, myself, I've had credit challenges after coming out of college and getting that one stupid credit card of $300 at Macy's that then ran my credit down to the ground because I didn't have a job. And it took years for me to rebound from it. But I think getting the knowledge out there and teaching people of how to buy their first house. And then when you get your first house, that's your first investment. And then from there, let's teach you how to not go and get some investment properties and create generational wealth versus creating generational debt. So I think that's one of the other reasons I love real estate because I'm able to teach people that part. And then even if they don't use me, that's okay. I just want to see people build something to leave for their kids and their grandkids. No, I love it. So you're absolutely the perfect person because we are going to move from, you know, again, how to get into the first home if if, if, if that's the where people want to go. People, and as, as you said, you're very knowledgeable in how to invest and how to build that generational wealth. So um, that's 
you're perfect for this morning's discussion. How can you take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market? And just talking to you and some of my other friends in the industry, this market is in a sense seemingly very different uh, for the most part. Most agents are going to say, when is the best time to buy your home? The answer is typically going, always going to be now. Um, I, I would assume that might be the case, considering that interest rates are at an all-time low. Uh, but a lot of things have changed. And so um, just to even set the stage before we go to our first break in, here in a couple of minutes, um, let's set, to set the stage, as I even threw out the aspect of, as I call it, the COVID-19 housing market, uh, you know, obviously this is a crash that the world didn't expect in all industries. But if you will, if you will, since since March, uh, you know, what were the, in a sense, what has been the lay of the land due to this specifically to this um, pandemic? Because I assume prior to it, uh, if the economy was supposedly booming, things maybe were going well. But what does it look like out there just in general before we get into maybe specifics after the break? Okay. So I will tell you this. Um, uh, real estate is cyclical, so it goes up and down. Uh, it's a little bit different than the stock market because stock market will go based on what is that one industry doing, right, or what is that one company doing. And you know, so their decisions in the company could, could determine the stock. Um, in real estate, we normally see a shift in every 10 years or so, and it is the economy that kind of drives that as well. Well, we've been in an upswing on the market for a very long time. I actually sold my condo about uh, eight months ago, um, in Dunwoody because I felt like the market is already tapped out at the height when it came to the condo market. So, and then what happened is COVID. So the interesting part is we were already coming to a shift and we, the real, anybody that's in real estate full time kind of started preparing for things will shift a little bit. When we talk about a shift, we talk about a uh, market that we are going to, uh, houses might stay on the market a little bit longer. It's more of a buyer's market. You know, there might be a slowdown in people's economy to be able to buy. But the interesting part is the interest rates are the lowest they've been in 50 years. So we're, and then we're throwing in also the epidemic. So we were already kind of going into shift. Now here's the epidemic. People are furloughed and laid off, the unknown, and it's an election year. So when you're talking about for economists that are sitting here trying to figure out what's going to happen next, it's crazy because they just don't really know. Everybody's speculating. Now, I will tell you, you said that um, the, you know, there was a crash in all industries. I would have to disagree with you. There weren't. There are industries okay. right now that are thriving. Like you look at Amazon and, and there are some like online industries. I have friends of mine that right. are online marketing and they have had their best years ever. Why? Because people are having to shift the way that they do their business. Right. So, but we have no, not absolutely. really felt a crash in the real estate market, especially in Atlanta. Okay. What we have noticed well, is sense. let me go. Yeah. Let me go like, into this first break and we'll kind of, no, no, okay. absolutely. Let's get into this first break. When we come back, um, I actually introduce my co-host. Um, she's, you know, to to her credit, she's getting on this thing a little under the weather, so y'all bear with everybody out there listening. But, Aww. hey, we make it happen. The show must go on. Thank you, Natalie. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. 
Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSisMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSisMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 It's where you find out where you start is with a pre-qualification or pre-approval. This is like going to a doctor and getting a physical, but the financial physical. And what this does, you go to a mortgage company, or mortgage banker, or credit union, or bank. You ask to get pre-qualified or pre-approved for a home, and they'll let you know how financeable you are, and at what rate, and how much money. Some of you say, well, man, I don't know, man, I ain't got this, I ain't got that, my credit, this, that. If you don't go find out this process right here, you'll never know where to start. You'll never know where to fix what's wrong because you aren't knowledgeable enough because you don't qualify loans. I had clients say, oh, man, I don't make enough to buy no house or I ain't got enough to put down because they thought they needed some massive amount to put down or they thought they needed their credit to be a 680. But they got financed for a home with a 587 credit score. You don't know what you need. You're not the expert. The first step I talk about in the book is fighting your fear, because all that's fear. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Amber Page, who's on with us this morning, again, feeling a little under the weather. Thank you, Amber, for being with us this morning's discussion question. How can you take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market? Our real estate expert is Natalie Vadadiajo. Thank you, Queen, once again, for being on with us as we just heard a cut about the initial uh, aspect of getting a home. For anybody out there listening, this show is going to talk about all aspects uh, of, of whether it's, again, buying your first home, investing in a home, building a home. So just keep in mind this is not all we're talking about, but we are starting, in a sense, in, at that beginning process. Um, Amber, if you will, Queen, thank you again for being on this morning. Say hello to the truth seekers. Uh, say hello to our guest, Natalie, and um, thank you for getting on with us and, and, and kind of toughing through uh, this morning, but we definitely appreciate that, Queen. Good morning, Montoya and Truth Speakers, and hi to you, Natalie. Hey, Amber. <laughs> and the best thing about that cut, because, um, you know, to be to kind of let the cow out the bag, my uh, co-host, I was hating to hear that she wasn't feeling well, because part of the reason of us doing the show, she was partly interested in this show. And I think we want to start exactly where that cut um, just laid off the you know, just let off. I'm sorry. Where it just basically says the idea of getting pre-qualified. Uh, my little two year just to give a little bit of my background. My two years of in a sense being a loan officer. Uh, quite often, so people would come to us and they wouldn't necessarily qualify at the moment, but we would give them game on how they could qualify. You know, three months later in some cases, some people six months, and unfortunately sometimes even a year later. Uh, but that but they would be interested at that moment in getting a home. And so sometimes they would be disappointed and maybe not meet that three-month or six-month 
deadline. We said, well, in six months, you should be good. And we would follow up, and they wouldn't be interested. And so my little couple years of doing it, I was I would always tell people, we have some other home buying seminars at the Mental Dialogue Live Experience, where I would just basically tell people, find out prior to you actually wanting the home because that qualification would give you that game. Uh, any thoughts on that, Natalie? I'm pretty sure you are in agreement with that, but you can give us more details. So, yeah, 100%. Uh, so I'm, because my background is in finance, I actually do walk my clients through of understanding what kind of different mortgage options are out there. So I know quite a bit about mortgages and what would work for them. So I have a preferred list of lenders I can send people to based on what the situation is. But the one thing everybody will have in common is you have to provide certain type of information. And I think people are scared to start the process because nobody wants to hear no. And they also feel like I'm telling somebody all about my business, right? Um, And then, unfortunately, we also have quite a bit of people that will go on like, uh, credit karma, they see their credit score and then they, they hear all these myths that you need an 800 score to be able to buy a house or you need 20% down to buy a house. As a matter of fact, the last three houses I bought, I put zero money down. I had 100% financing. I just had to come down with earnest money and all that. So money wasn't an issue to be able to buy it. And my credit score as well can be an issue, but then what do you do to bring it up? And what's happened now, I've noticed, is people will get with the credit repair companies right away. Well, they can't give you the loan. Right, and there are three different credit scores that somebody has to, uh, that that are out there. Not credit bureaus, but credit scores. One if you go and get a car, one that if you go and get a credit card, and one if you get a mortgage. The algorithm for mortgages is totally different. So I always say, what you do right away when you're thinking about wanting to buy a house, even if your lease is up a year from now, go to a lender, have them pull your credit. Look at all of your information so they can say, hey, yes, you can qualify now. And that's happened to me. And my clients were like, oh, my gosh, well, let's just go and start. I didn't think I can qualify, right? Or they say, you know what, if you do this, 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 because they can run it through a credit rescoring system, and they will give you a game plan of what you need to do to them get pre-approved. It's super important to go to a lender to get that because once you get that, they can give you the pre-approval. You go to a credit repair company, they can't give you the loan, so it kind of defeats the purpose because there is the – mortgage algorithm that they're going to look at to be able to qualify you for a loan. So the first part is really getting with somebody that can give you the yes, or if they don't say yes, they say not now and do this and it's going to be a yes. So that's the first part of it. And it's the most crucial part, but there are so many different lenders out there, so many different programs. So you want to partner with a realtor that knows and has those friendships and relationships so that when you do start working with somebody, you know that they're there to help you throughout the whole process. No, it sounds great. Amber, if you will, again, I'm, uh, yeah, jump in again, uh, you know, it may be a question that you have or a statement you want to make in reference to, again, getting this process started. Uh, You know, as I said, as a loan officer, we would do exactly what Natalie just said. Obviously, we want to get the the loan, even if it was in the future. So we definitely would give people the game plan for how they could, you know, qualify and start the process all over. Go ahead, Queen. I I think that, you know, that's good, definitely. I have not purchased my home yet, so I'm in the process of, you know, lining everything up so that I am ready, you know, in a year when, you know, my current lease is up. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's good, you know, that you all do provide, you know, the game plan, you know, so that people like myself can get prepared. You know, it takes time. Um, you know, we just have to, you know, I know for myself, you know, I just know I have to put in the work to, 
you know, make sure everything is is in place for when that time does come. So uh, very good information. And hey, can well, I just know, piggyback off of what you just ahead, said? Uh, no, please. Yeah, please do. Uh, let me just piggyback off of this. So it's interesting. I've had this conversation so much lately. So during the epidemic, I've had a few clients that went ahead and renewed their rental leases, right? And uh, now they're saying, hey, I'm going to wait a year when my lease is up. And I think that they actually are pre- – they can get pre-qualified now. So I want anybody that's listening to radio right now, even if you're in a lease, let's start the process because most of the leases have an exit clause. So in other words, we're looking at numbers yeah. here. Interest rates are the lowest they've ever been, and they, we don't know what they're going to be after in a year. We're, we're, they're probably going to still be low based on what the economists are saying, but we just don't know. So we can operate in the now. And if you wait a year and you're writing a check for the average rent, I think in Atlanta right now it's over $1,600 for a two-bedroom, every month you're grading somebody a check for 1600 versus writing a check to the mortgage company, which now pays down on your equity. And when you buy a, a house, if you buy a house, you actually skip your first month's mortgage. So really, if there's a two-month payout on getting out of the apartment, you know, to break your lease, you have to always read the leases. And if you're not sure how to, you know, look at them, I have some attorneys that can take a look at it to make sure that you're right. But normally, they're about two months of breaking a lease. And then after that, if you look at it, you get your first month's mortgage, you don't have to pay it anyway. So really, all you have to do is that one month. So we're talking about $1,600. But the amount of money you'll save because you now have a tax write-off because you get to write off the mortgage interest rate and you get to write off the taxes you pay on your house. And for that 12 months, you're paying down on your mortgage, which has equity. And if the market continues to climb in that one year and you now have more instant equity and you're in your house. So I always tell my clients, even if your lease is up, let's just see if you can qualify now. And if you can, I can break down in numbers where it might make sense for you to break your lease and get into your own house. No, great information, and you know, and really, really stressing um, the idea of pre-qualifying well in advance of lining things up, uh, especially if you're, especially if you're trying to line it up based on what you've heard. Whereas the pre-qualify lets you line it up based on your situation. It may be, you know, something that got to be cleared up on the credit, you know, whatever the case may be, or even if you feel like you're doing, you know, think you're ready, uh, you know, just the idea of in a year trying to pre-qualify at that time and find out, oh, you you should also have done this. You, again, you could prepare better with the pre-qualification. And, if, you know, like, and as Natalie said, if, you, if you're ready already and qualify already, then maybe you do some of the things she just said. So all the more reasons, in a sense, to jump into the pre-qualify. Uh, but the cut, cut said something that is very fair. Um, I've been guilty of this and the idea of uh, the idea of it's, ju- it's just fear. So what about the idea of I don't make enough money what does that sound like to you Natalie well it's interesting because it's not about how much money you make it's the balance between how much debt you have and how much money you make it's called a debt to income ratio and I know I sound probably like a mortgage specialist right now having these conversations but um, I I (laughs) love finance side of it because at the end of the day I can't start working with a client that's looking to buy until they have that uh, you know that out of, out of the way, so to speak, and have their pre-approval. Because we don't go out looking at houses until you have a pre-approval. And I don't believe in pre-qualifications because you can basically get a pre-qualification, by the way, just call in like one of those companies to advertise a lot. I'm not going to mention names on the Internet. And you call in <laughs> and say, I make this much money. And then, you know, uh, they pull your credit report, but they haven't verified your income. They haven't looked at your taxes, 
and they just give you your pre-qualification, right? Pre-approval is when they've looked at all of your information. That, that's really what you want before you start looking at homes. Um, fear. Well, what can I say about fear? This is My whole view on fear is what's the worst thing that can happen? They say no, and you're still in their rental place for now? You're already there. So fear is only holding you back from creating the opportunities that you're wanting to actually accomplish. So anybody that's fearful, trust me, I got denied first time. Like, that's okay. But it was a not now. It's not a no, not ever. Even clients that have had bankruptcies, right, you know, depending on the type of bankruptcy, you have to have it discharged, you know, X amount, maybe a year, depending on the bankruptcy. So we just need to know what the rules of the game are for each individual person. So don't be fearful. I think the fear comes from, and I've had a couple of clients say, I don't want my friends or family to know. Don't tell nobody you're starting the process. Start working with a realtor right away. Start going with a lender. And I've had clients that literally did not tell their family they had the house because they were scared that at some point of the process it wouldn't happen. They got the keys to the house, and that's when they told everybody. They're like, I just bought a house. Wow. Right? So I think Mm -hmm. fear sometimes is driven off of not letting people know that you failed at something. But So that's where fear comes from. I don't want to get excited, and then it doesn't happen. So there's fear is just holding you back from creating the amazing life that you want. So don't be a fearful. Let's just go for it and find out what the, what the path is and get the game together. No, nah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, something you mentioned that was interesting to me, and I think I've heard you say this before, where you were talking about how other demographics maybe get into the home buying process sooner uh, than, than, than our community, if you will. And I definitely know part of that process at that age, and I'm, I'm, I'm harping on this because I want to kind of – I know you've done so many mortgages, even in this market, you could probably speak to this, but even the concept of just assuming, well, at this point, I, the thought, which is still fearful, I know I don't make enough money. So to a certain extent, uh, somebody with yearly income that's considered, you know, maybe pretty on the low end, if you will, uh, what type of incomes have you seen get into homes? Because I think this will be a surprising answer for those who assume they don't make enough money, if that makes sense. Well, so there are actually, uh, there are actually specialty programs for what we would call, and I hate to use this word, right, but lower income. Right, And I'm going to be honest with you. I was lower income when I was a teacher. At the highest of my teaching career, I made $45,000 a year. And I, you have to have a degree to be a teacher, right? So 45000 mm-hmm. in today's economy doesn't really sound like a lot. But there are actually programs with Atlanta Housing Authority here in Atlanta that you, can, you can't make a certain amount of money. And because of it, you're able to purchase a, a house like Atlanta Land Trust. So I actually had a client of mine, I just sold their condo, but they bought a, uh, a house through Atlanta Land Trust, right? And he was a, a police officer, and that condo was only, when they bought it, was $100,000, and it's in Edgewood. And when we got ready to sell it, because it's part of the Atlanta Housing Authority, and it can only be sold for like 25% of the value. The value of that condo is 400000 but it, there are actually homes and programs specifically for somebody that doesn't make as much. And the key here is if it's $100,000, you can probably qualify for that if you don't have a lot of debt. I mean, I'm just throwing a number out there, but let's say 25000 30000 a year. So is there, uh, are there a lot of those programs out there? There are a few. Is there a lot of homes that fall into that? Not so much. But, like, even in, in West Highlands right now, in a, a very uh, – uh, 
the, a community that normally has about 300000 up to buy five, $600,000 homes, they have earmarked certain homes to affordable housing that they are selling those $400,000 houses for 200000 But you can't make more than X amount. Okay. So, but no, I can't say it's, it's, uh, it's 25, it's, I can't say it's only 25,000 because it all depends on your debt. Like you can make $30,000 and have no debt and you can make $60,000 and have a lot of debt. And the person that's a $30,000 will qualify for more home than the $60,000 one. No, I definitely understand that. It's just, you know, I just wanted to address the assumption that there's no way I would qualify because I think some people think that way just based on they want to say I want to make more money. And as you said, they might already qualify, but they're waiting until they make more money. And they might qualify. So I just wanted to definitely just throw that out there. We actually got a caller that wants to get in. Um, Let's go ahead to Area code five zero four last three zero six five. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Hey, God bless you, all. Uh, Eric calling. Understand that uh, some um, individuals are able to purchase homes through a third party buyer. Um, wh- what do you think about that way of purchasing homes? Uh, when you're speaking about third, are you talking about the rent to own programs? Well, you are. It mentioned, I guess, individuals, I guess, foreigners, for example, who may have um, uh, low credit or maybe no credit or low uh, salaries. They may use a, a third person or a person that they know to, I guess, what purchase the home for them. And then, oh, at like that a point, co-signer. Guess, maybe that's what it is. I just remember hearing they said it's like a third person who gets involved in the deal to purchase the home for them. So I'm not really sure all the details of it, but I was wondering what do you know about that kind of approach? Okay, so uh, Natalie, I will call, let me do I this real quick, on... Natalie. Let me jump in, Natalie. Natalie, real quick. Unfortunately, yep. we're up against a break. Um, you know, again, I'm good, so we we'll get the clarity. What we're going to do is do a quick break, and then we'll let you answer it coming out of the break. Okay? Sorry about that. We'll awesome, keep you on. Awesome. Um, I, no worries, um, Eric, if you will. No, no, I'm just letting, I'm just letting Eric know we're going to keep him on um, as well. All right, we'll be right back. We're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. And I cannot figure out why Our relationship's in a coma But I don't want it to die One mistake in my past You gotta let me live that down There's no trust Eagles won't discuss Why we're not talking right now Problems are always alright But we don't have to act like this
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, as we hear a cut from Taylor Pace's at Square Business Entertainment's Rough Patch. Go look them up on all music streaming platforms. Thank you for sponsoring the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. This morning's discussion question, how can you take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market? My co-host, Amber Page, as well as special guest, Natalie Barriajo. We have Eric on the line asking a question about third-party buyers. And I think the way I kind of understood him, Natalie, was just the the concept of having anywhere in someone else in a sense, maybe own the loan or getting it. So it's kind of all, it sounds like he's asking it in a broad way, just the concept of it sounds like he's been introduced to it. So you might want to break it down in several ways from the way, I, the way it seems like he's answering to me. Go ahead, Natalie. Thank you for, for being with us again. So Eric, uh, that's a great question. Actually, I do get that quite a bit. So uh, I'm going to break it down in two different parts. So one of them would be having a co-signer. So co-signers okay. would be, let's say, uh, and depends on the loan program. So you have some co-signers that might be a family member, somebody that, they, uh, that you uh, know, that then would step in and co-sign for the loan. So they could either come in and co-sign because maybe somebody's credit is lower or maybe they don't have enough income. So I've had clients that have, like, their parents co-sign for a house with them, right? And so that works. Um, I always caution people that are the co-signers is because when you co-sign for the loan, you're taking on the responsibility of that loan as well. So normally what you see is some as a very close family member on that. If I have a friend or a client that says, I want to co-sign for somebody, I'm not normally like, no, don't do it. It's kind of like you don't want to co-sign for somebody's rent. If they don't pay, it's up to you to pay it. Now, so that's the co-signing part, but there's a couple other programs out here that um, I, I kind of talk about, and that's the lease-to-own program. So that would be for somebody that might not have the credit right now or the income all the way to be able to qualify, but they know that they're working on getting the credit up, and they want to rent. They have to rent somewhere anyway, so they would rather rent a house that they know they're planning on buying versus renting in an apartment. So you got, like, a lot of different programs like that out there. Divi Homes is one. Path to Home is another one. Uh, and Home Partners is, is, is the third one that I know I've had um, friends of mine who are realtors have their clients use or my clients have used. company that goes and buys the house that you want, right? And I'm using you as an example, Eric. So, Eric, so you said, I want to buy this house over in Edgewood, say. And you're going to pick in that house that you work with a realtor like myself. We find a house. That company will buy the house and then rent it back to you. But I will tell you the rent is normally a little bit higher. That company needs to make money somehow. So they're going to get their money back by renting it. And when you buy from them, you're buying and there's probably going to be some more fees. Is it smart to do that? Sometimes it is. It just depends on the person. We have to look at the numbers to see if it makes sense. Um, But that is definitely a way that you can go into it. And then once you get your credit threshold up or you get your income up or whatever their criteria is to be able to purchase it from them now and you're able to qualify you're able to then buy the house that you already live in so there are two different types of ways to go about it with a third-party person or third-party company that's there a another way too is you have what's called uh private money lenders so a lot of times when you hear about loans you hear about conventional loan and fha loans va loans and usda loans and some of those are government backed so there's some criteria that people have to meet there are private lenders out there that if you have a lot of cash or you have some savings, you have something, you have something coming, um, they might go ahead and buy the house in their name. You rent it back or they give you the loan, but they really own it. And, but normally what you see is the interest rates are going to be much higher and there might be some fees up front to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. For, in today's market too, by the way, 
because the market has been so hot and it's still hot, we don't normally see a lot of people that own their houses and want to do what's called, I'll just do a private financing on the house, let you move in, you pay me, because the market has been good. When the market starts shifting a little bit, we start seeing a lot of that. So let's say that seller A over here owns a house, can't sell it. He'd rather get somebody in there to pay rent pay some money up front, and then he sets up the loan and they pay him directly without the bank. And the guidelines are not as strict potentially. It's up to the seller to decide who he wants to give that to because there's no government guidelines on it. Now, Eric, so I might have another question. I'm going to let you get oh, it in. Yeah, go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. The last two approaches, can that be used for um, rental property or, or buying business properties also? So commercial is a, a different beast. I have commercial lenders. I don't do commercial, but I have some people that I partner with on it. So that becomes a little bit difficult. So every, I want you to think about it like this. Every situation is different. It all depends on who owns that commercial property or the multi-unit, and are they willing to do that type of loan with somebody. So it's, 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 it, it, there is no one way or the other. Uh, it's just finding the right fit. And if you are trying to look at go that route, I can connect you with some commercial agents, and they can kind of talk to you a little bit more. But, you know, multifamily is definitely the way to go when you start building some, uh, uh, you know, rental portfolios because now you have multiple people in that one, in the one building that you can manage, right? But that's a, it's a totally different type of loan than the house, the first house that you're buying or the house that you're living in. Different criteria. All right. Well, appreciate it. Hi. No, no problem, Eric. Eric. You want to be like Eric. No, absolutely. If you want to be like Eric and get in on this call, the number to get in is 646 Seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Keep in mind, you have to press one to let us know you want to speak. So you do have to press one if you're out there online. Please press one if you're on the phone line now. Now and want to get in with um, Natalie, please uh, hit that one, and we'll get you in with that discussion. Um, um, and on a, on a on a different. Um, well, similar, but not the same. And, um, Amber, please jump in with any questions you may have for Natalie as we go through this discussion. Uh, but, again, he mentioned the third party. Uh, I was going to play a cut, in, another cut, but I'm just going to talk about it real quick. The idea of, like you said, you're out here reading, and you, all, you also mentioned this when I was kind of asking that question about not making enough money. And we do, I think I do realize, and I think you slightly mentioned it, the idea that, because the the rate the market is going up to where rents are super expensive and like oh and, yeah but even you know getting you know but even getting homes like you said you don't qualify you know there was a time when you could get that 100,000 or that 150,000 home but those they're not really like you said not really on the market as much so what about the idea of even just three friends saying we're tired of renting we're renting this we're splitting this rent three ways in this three bedroom how about we put our our little 30,000 together and get us a home. So like they all make, I'm just saying, for example, hypothetically, they all make 30,000, but together 90,000 qualifies them for a decent home. Um, have you seen that? Do you suggest that? What are your thoughts about, you know, just people, friends, not even family that's got a co-sign, but friends just saying, you know what, instead of us renting this three bedroom apartment, let's go see if our 90,000 together get us something. What do you think about that idea? You know, it's interesting. I just got a client under contract, and it is actually two friends that are going in and buying a house, and uh, and they're um, and they just went under contract, and that's what they're doing. And they're buying a three bedroom house, 
It's about 237000 It's a house that's in great shape. Just did an inspection yesterday. Just sucked it, inspected this morning. And no big deal, right? No big issues over there. So we're going to keep moving forward. And that's exactly what they're doing. Now, I think it's a great idea. Now, you want to make sure it's a friend that, that is stable and it's not just somebody you met out in a restaurant and you're like, hey, let's buy a place together, right? <laughs> I also advise that uh, to those two gentlemen, uh, friends, make sure you talk to somebody to draft up some kind of extra contract because both of you will be on a title and it's going to both be on your credit. And if one doesn't pay, the other one is going to be stuck paying. So that you want to make sure that uh, you're going into partnership because if you're buying a house with a bunch of friends and they're doing it because this is going to ultimately be their rental portfolio. Right, so that was their first start. Once they get married or if they go and buy their own places, they'll keep that as a rental. So you want to make sure that you have some conversations of what that's going to look like and there's some rules and regulations around it. But I think it's a great idea because Atlanta is one of those cities, and there's not that many of them in the United States, that one, it is actually cheaper to own a house in Atlanta than it is to rent, and two, there's a huge wealth gap, the disparity here. Right, like the cost of living versus what people are making and the high earners versus the lower earners, there's a huge gap on that. And affordability of housing is an issue here. So pulling resources to then be able to live and start creating equity in a home, I think it's a great idea. You just want to make sure that you do it with the right people. Definitely one of, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of my goals is um, I'm more so leaning towards family members. Um, you know, yep. us coming together and making a purchase for this big, you know, southern home and everybody can come and they call it home. So that's definitely on my dream board. <laughs> um, I did awesome. have a question. Yeah. I did have a question about um, student loans. Um, what would you say, you know, you know, most times, you know, if you have, uh, individual who's, you know, gone to college and, you know, they have uh, student loan debt, um, what would be your suggestion for them on, you know, when they start looking at getting pre-approved for a home? So first of all, let me just put it out there. If you have, if you're listening to, this, uh, to the show right now and you have kids that are getting ready to go college age, let me give you guys, parents, a piece of advice. One, if they're not getting full scholarship to go somewhere, have them start at a community college where it's cheaper. It is absolutely ridiculous absolutely. the amount of money that colleges in the United States cost. And it doesn't matter which school you start at. It's where you get your degree mm-hmm. from. So I used to be, when I was in high school, I used to be a career development coordinator. And I actually have students right now that went that pathway and then ended up getting their master's at a major school, but they were only there for a year and a half, so they didn't have this big student loan. Student loans are probably the biggest obstacle for uh, home ownership for people. And it's because of the way that they're looking at how much you have to be committed to pay a month. Conventional loan and FHA loan guidelines are different. Uh, FHA loans about three years ago, four years ago, changed the way they looked at student loans. Back then, and I actually had three friends that I got into homes before the guideline changed, and if they would have waited, they would probably still not be able to buy a house. Because FHA loans will look at, right now, will look at, like, I think it's 1% of what your student loan is. So if you have $100,000 in student loans, what they're going to look at, even if you're only supposed to pay $25 a month because you've made arrangements with them, they're going to look at your debt obligation to be $1,000 a month. 
Well, if you're making $50,000 a year, $1,000 a month, you probably can't buy the house that you want because of debt-to-income ratio. It is difficult. Everybody's situation is different. My advice is if you have student loans, if your credit score is lower, we need to get your credit score up so you can get the conventional loan status because with conventional loans, they're going to look at what are you obligated to pay monthly. So if it's $200, that's what they look at. So when you're talking to uh, a lender, you want to make sure that, that they know about your student loans. And if they pull the credit, credit report, they see it. Have them guide you on how to structure things. A lot of us um, here in the United States have done deferments on student loans. Well, most loans won't allow that, and so that's not going to work. But you don't want to go over there and start kind of making decisions on how you want to structure it. Talk to a lender. They're going to look at your credit score. They're going to know, are you conventional on FHA? And then guide you on what you need to do and how you need to go about it. And sometimes if you're in if default on student loans, they just need to see that you've set up a payment plan and paid, I think, like three months and shown that, and you can still buy. So it really comes down to just talking to a lender. And when you talk to a lender, guys, I want you guys to tell them everything. Like, I tell them about the skeletons in the closet. Tell them about the small business you ran last year and took a big write-off on your taxes just so you don't have to pay Uncle Sam. Whatever it is, tell them because they're going to find out. And you want them to know it all so that they can know exactly how and which program you fit in. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I and say, I wanna, uh, we're about to go to yeah. another break. About to go, I'm sorry, we're about to go okay. to another break, and I'll let you come out of the break with that question, Amber. And after, after that, I want to talk about those, like you said, if you run those small businesses, sometimes it can be a lot of, a little different for entrepreneurs just on how they qualify. So I definitely want to get into that when we come back from the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is, this, is that you think. We'll be right back. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Amber Page. This morning's discussion question, how can you take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market? Again, we're in the getting a house. We're going to continue this conversation. You can call in and ask any question you like uh, with our special guest, Natalie Barriaho. Uh, I still messed it up a little bit. Uh, Our real estate expert is with us this morning. um, The number to get in for anybody out there listening online is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Amber, I think you had another question. Go ahead, Queen. Oh, yes. No, I was just going to piggyback off of what you said, Natalie, about – students going to community colleges first 
<laughs> that is absolutely great information just because I used to, well, I didn't do that, of course. I was too eager to get away from home and, you know, wanted to go <laughs> off to school, you know. But I used to uh, be a teacher as well, but then I um, also used to be in financial aid. Um, so, you know, I see, you know, even with now in Georgia, it's so um, worth them taking advantage of, you know, the programs in high school that allow them to get their, you know, college credit done. So I just wanted to piggyback off of that. That's a great suggestion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like you have, and just for you, the the college program, you actually have, like, dual enrollment. So, like, you can take exactly. online classes while you're a junior and senior and already start, and, and it's free. Yeah, it's so many great mm-hmm. programs out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, y'all are y'all are actually in my wheelhouse. I, when I was in the military, I worked in college admissions uh, my first year in the military, and so I've I've been giving that advice for almost twenty years. Start with the community colleges, and our mental dialogue members have heard it a thousand times over. For those you know, those who are members, speaking of members, go to mentaldialogue.com and consider becoming a supporter. Um, if you like intelligent radio, it helps keep us on the air and um, get exposed to some exclusive content. Uh, with the Mental Dialogue Community Club, just throwing it out there real quick. But you mentioned um, the idea of having that small business. Let's definitely delve into that uh, before we even delve into maybe investments and other things about the housing market um, that I want to ask you, Natalie. But the, the idea of, again, as a loan officer for a couple of years, often trying to prepare for this and the little bit of knowledge I learned in that time and, and, uh, and having to do this myself, in getting prepared for, because um, I'm late in the game, not having owned a home myself, so it's something that I'm preparing for, similar to Amber in that sense. Uh, but it's, but the point of as an entrepreneur, since that is in a sense the majority of my income, I you know I take a job here or there, or whatever, but the majority of income I, I generate myself. And so one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs are are not familiar with, as much as we spend each year trying to, in a sense. Uh, cut down on our our tax taxes that we have to pay, you know, in running our <laughs> business. Uh, they're they're wanting to say I'm gonna make all this money, but they're not aware that when they're ready to buy a home, if they do that every year, typically they're not setting themselves up, and they may be doing well in their business. You know, as as far as profit goes, but sometimes I remember when I was a loan officer, they would be quite surprised that they didn't qualify for a home because no one had told them. I tell entrepreneurs, you want to three years out, you actually want to prepare. If you're looking to get a home, you need to prepare three years out and start basically reporting more of that money and set yourself up to qualify because I've definitely seen people, entrepreneurs with plenty of money not qualify for a home because what you do to hold out on taxes hurts you on being qualified for a home in some cases, if you could speak to that. Oh, you know what? And I, I think this is, I'm going to be a grinning. This is probably one of my favorite things to speak about because this is my life, right? And so I'm actually doing that mm-hmm. myself. When I purchased my last condo, I had a W-2 because I was actually a teacher and doing real estate at the same time. So that was super easy, right? Because traditionally, mm-hmm. if you get your regular uh, mortgage, you just need your W-2 statements, maybe income tax. Well, even prior to COVID, if you're self-employed, and by the way, I'm going to speak of self-employed and then entrepreneur. So if you're just self-employed, that means you kind of work for yourself, 
but not everybody's successful. And, I, and I'm not talking about success in terms of how much money you bring in, but how you're setting your business up. When I use the word entrepreneur, I feel like it's somebody that set their business up as a business. So let me start with that. You have to make sure you have an accountant, somebody that helps you with profit and loss statements, how much should you pay yourself, things like that, and a financial uh, planner because you can still – be able to write things off by having a solo 401k where that money just goes into your solo 401k, but you're still kind of claiming it, right? And you, you made it. You're just putting it back into your own account, so to speak. So there's ways to be smart with how you run your business. So for an entrepreneur, uh, before COVID, uh, pre-COVID, PC, you really needed to still <laughs> always show like one, at least one year of tax returns to show how much did you write off. So if you made $200,000 a year, you wrote off 100000 you really only made 100 you can only purchase based on the fact that you made 100 even though you made 200 but you wrote all the other things off. After COVID, AC, they're now asking, because I just talked to my lenders yesterday because I'm getting ready to purchase a house myself. Right now, my son just graduated, moved to Sweden to go to college, my youngest one. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm moving, I'm ready, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm a realtor, guys, so, you know, you talk about being scared. I knew that because of COVID, all of the guidelines had changed for self-employed. So what they're asking for now, it, when a, pri- a regular mortgage sector, I'm not talking about private money lenders, regular mortgage sector is asking for 2018, 2019 tax returns. They're going to also sometimes ask for your profit and loss statements. They might also ask for your bank statements two months back to make sure that the money that you're showing on your profit and loss statements, uh, we are from 2018, 2019, they want to see your profit and loss statements, I mean taxes, profit and loss statements for this year to see did your business go down because of COVID. So if in 2019 you made a bunch of money and then this year so far based on your in, uh, 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 balance, I mean uh, checking account statements and your profit and loss statements, you haven't made any money, it's going to be difficult for you to get a job because what they want to do is make sure that you're continuing to make the same amount of money or more, but if you had a dip in income. Make sure I'm hearing you clearly. You say it's going to be difficult for you to get a job. Just throwing it out. Yeah, I'm here. I'm just letting oh, you know. Oh, sorry, think, yeah. It's difficult. So in other words, okay, I just, if, I you have a, if you have your you own job, business. You meant to say home. Yeah. Home, sorry. So, yeah, then you're going to be able to continue your, your actual career. So uh, think about it. If I was a, an owner, real, I mean, owned a uh, restaurant, for example, 2018, 19, I did great. Well, 2020 probably didn't look good for me because in March we went on shutdown. So you need to be able to show as an entrepreneur that your business was not as affected by COVID, and it's going to have a continuance of your business and income for you to be able to get a loan. So if you have seen a dip on it, you still want to talk to a lender to figure out what do I need to do. Because if you made a lot of money and you're still making, you know, making decent money but it's not as much, you probably still will be able to get a loan for the house, uh, for the house that you're buying. They're just going to take your 2018-2019 average, and then they might also bring in your 2020 average as well. And if you can still qualify for that. So sometimes people can qualify for way more what they want to buy. So it's really coming down to talking to the lenders. But that's the biggest difference is they're going to ask for two years of tax returns. They're going to probably ask for profit and loss statements. So if you don't have that, you want to work with somebody to make sure that you showcase that for 2020, and then also showing that the money that you're saying that you're bringing in based on your profit and loss statements, that that profit actually hit the bank. So if you're getting people to pay you through Cash App, through cash, and it's not documented, it's going to be very difficult. So make sure you start running a business as a business and putting all your money in the bank so you can season the money and show that lender that you actually made that money. 
great, great information. Again, anyone out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody out there listening? Six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Come chance to get this game. This, I told you I bring her on for a reason. She's well equipped. No matter where we want to go with this, again that number six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. I see some callers out there. If you have any questions, please hit that one, and we'll get you in. Make sure you hit one. Some people don't hear me say that, no matter how many times I say it during the show, and they'll I'll talk to them after the show. They was like, I was waiting. <laughs> so make sure you're hitting one if you are ask, on asking a question in reference to that. So. Uh, one of the things that I saw, I put up a bunch of questions on the Facebook page. Make sure you're following us also on Facebook at Mental Dialogue or IG at Mental underscore Dialogue. Uh, but one of the followers mentioned this idea because I asked a question about the idea of building. Um, you know, since interest rates are at an all-time low, uh, some people may be encouraged to, in a sense, yeah, in a sense, build their home. Or some people are not even familiar with the idea of buying a home and building a home. Uh, from my little two-year experience, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Natalie, uh, but I'm pretty much getting into the loan, you know, the period I was in the loan, in, in the industry, if you will, I, I actually didn't really realize that it wasn't a huge difference in, you know, buying a home that's already there or having a home built. At least that's how I looked at it. But, again, never having purchased a home, I may be saying that with a little bit of naivety. But the bigger question here is, uh, for what I understand, the cost of construction has went up. So we got the all-time Low rates yeah. that we've that we've seen, but the cost of construction is booming through the roof with a lot of with specific materials. I even had one of my friends uh, break down that um, down in the Florida market that some of the um, construct um, some of the um, builders are actually using steel beams because it's actually cheaper than wood right now, which sounds crazy to me. <laughs> but in the idea, <laughs> if I want to buy a, b- a dream home right now, I want to build it. I want to build the one that I like. What does that look like in today's market to you? Oh, I love this question. Cause... So let me start off by saying, when you decide to build your house and you're not going to build it yourself. So you're still going to have to hire somebody to build it. So I normally advise uh, clients that if they're looking to build their, like, forever home, that's very custom, and they have a much higher budget, and they might already own some land somewhere or they're looking and planning on buying land, absolutely. It makes total sense because you can customize it exactly how you want, and it actually could be cheaper. It just depends on where you're getting your, uh, sourcing your materials. Now, when I'm talking about materials, I'm not talking about the typical things that every house needs, like the wood and the drywall and the electrical. I'm talking about, like, the extra things, maybe the tile and the marble. So I've had clients that have had connections to be able to get kitchen cabinets that are custom for much cheaper. Well, in that case, for them, it was cheaper to build a house than go to a new construction and build it. If you're kind of in a first-time home by a price point, if you want brand-new build, I would advise that they go through a new construction company. Why? They're able to uh, buy and source materials for much less. They have a crew that consistently comes through. So the cost of them building a house might only be, you know, $60 a square foot. You hire somebody to build that same first-time home by a price point, might cost you $110 to $120 a square foot. So, yeah, they have a markup under new construction, yet they've built the markup into what the values on the houses are in the neighborhood. And so you walk, you're going in there, you don't have to deal with the stress. The second part is when you build your own house and you hire a builder, 
you know, there might be delays, there might be slowdowns. Um, make sure that you're getting a builder that's, one, reputable. Two, he's been in business for long because, remember, they, they're they just as tied to the economy as everybody else, and you don't want to have a builder start the process, and then they don't pay their crew, and your house doesn't get built. So there's quite a bit of potential issues. Now, if you're somebody that's in this industry, you know people, and you can go ahead and kind of manage the project yourself, not hire a builder, but you kind of getting uh, hiring subcontractors, maybe a general contractor to do it, you will save a lot of money on that. But if you don't have that experience, I highly recommend not going that route and making sure that they're truly hiring a reputable builder. And I have a list of them that I can connect people with um, and, and doing it that way. But I would not tell somebody that's doing a first-time home going that route. It's, it could be very stressful and costly. Uh, makes a lot of sense. We are at the top of the hour, so we're going to go to another break, which is, again, Rough Patch by Taylor Pace. Enjoy this music, and we'll be right back with this morning's discussion. How can you take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market? All I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. And I cannot figure out why Our relationship's in a coma But I don't want it to die One mistake in my past You gotta let me live that down There's no trust Eagles won't discuss Why we're not talking right now Problems are always alright But we don't have to act like this Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Amber Page. This morning's discussion question, how can you take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market? Encourage all of the listeners out there to look up Taylor Pace. Again, just make it that real R&B. We appreciate all of our sponsors, Big Sis Media, Square Business Entertainment, Money Motivation, LNG Technologies, 
If you have a business you would like to get out to the smartest audience on the radio, encourage you to support us as well. Our real estate expert, Natalie, I wanted to continue this conversation. Again, we got some callers on the line. If you want to get in, press 1. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. Again, Amber, make sure you're jumping in with any of your questions. Uh, I think just the idea of, like you said, that concept of whether you wanted to build or not, I think is a good transition um, to to the idea of those who are looking to take advantage of investing um, during this housing market. For what I understand, and I know different markets around the country could be very different, um, but for what I understand, I've, in our area, we're in a seller's market from what I've been told from some of my real estate um, friends, uh, but maybe up north, it's a buyer's market. So different markets, are, in a sense, are different in that sense. Um, but for somebody who's saying, you know, hey, the markets out there, uh, I want to take advantage of it. Um, what does that look like, or what are you telling your people that are coming to you saying, hey, I'm trying to make some money, and as you say, build some of that generational wealth, not just in owning my home, but I want to invest in others. What are you telling people right now, Natalie? I'm sorry, Queen. i got to bring your mic alive. I'm sorry. Give me a second. Uh, you're live now. Sorry about that, Queen. Go ahead. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> um, okay, so my first question is always, do you own your home? Okay, and I have a couple of, I have some, I have some friends out there that will say, no, you better not own a home and just buying an investment property. And I would disagree with that, and this is why. Owning your home, the way that the tax laws are set up in the United States, you get a lot of write-offs with that, right? So I, if they say, no, I don't own a house, then we start talking about that. Let's get you in your first home. That becomes your first rental portfolio, basically, because then you can go and buy some other properties and move into that and maybe just rent the one that you're in. Or if you buy the right house that has maybe an in-law suite in the back or basement, you can house hack it and have income-producing money coming in, okay? So that's my first question. And then my second question is, do you have any experience in investing? And if the answer is no, and they're talking about flipping, I normally stop them and say majority of the flippers in Atlanta don't make money. They go, up, they go upside down. They don't know what they're doing. They're, uh, and it's not because they don't want to. It's they have the wrong contractors, the wrong people coming and doing work. They're promising getting work done, and then they don't show up, and then they're having to hire other people, and then the work is shabby. So, like, uh, I have a client that's looking at houses in West End right now, and I went and previewed 25 houses in West End, Oakland City area. And out of the 25 houses, I only narrowed it down to three houses that I would love my buyer to buy. And that's because the other ones were just not done correctly. So if they don't have experience and they want to really get into real estate and be in the flip market, I normally try to partner with somebody that I know that's already doing it. They might not make as much, but at least they're learning the process with them and they can go in together on, a, on somebody that already knows. If they're looking to do what we call sit and holds and rental property and they've already bought their first house, absolutely. Because the rents are so high in Atlanta, it's a great opportunity to go in and buy something. And there are tons of properties out there that already have established renters, and you can just go and buy that. I've had a few clients that want to buy houses and do Airbnb. Airbnb market in Atlanta is still doing pretty well in certain areas. So that's an option too. So really what I do is I, I kind of find out what is it that they're looking to do, how much money do they have, are they going hard money or regular financing, are they all cash, and the answer is going to be different for all, for all of them. If you're just wanting to say, hey, I want to take advantage of the market and 
and you're like, I have no experience, and I want to get some sit and hold, honestly, I'm telling some of my investors, just make sure you have your money ready to go. So make sure your liquid cash is there. And when a market starts dipping, it's like the stock market. If you're looking for investment properties, you want to buy when it's low. In the $250,000 under price, there's not a lot of inventory, so the prices are pretty high. And you want to wait. I don't think we're going to ever have a major crash like we had before where you can buy houses for like $25,000, mm-hmm. $40,000. I just don't think we're going to mm-hmm. have that again. But I do believe that if you're looking to pick up investment properties and you want to just utilize some of the equity that you currently have in your house or you have some extra cash somewhere, hold it. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And I'll put you on my list. And as soon as I start seeing some good, uh, good opportunities over there, I'm going to reach out to my clients and say, hey, this is a great opportunity. Let's go get it. Right. Now, we'll throw so this out. So there's not a straight-cut answer, is, uh, really. No, that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, if anybody's out there considering or thinking about it, you know, please get in while we have that. She can, you know, probably start you in the right direction uh, in that sense. If you don't clearly hear, she's a wealth of information in that sense. Uh, let me throw this out just in listening to you speak. Uh, I, I think I've seen or heard of, uh, unfortunately, that there's still some markets uh, – unfortunately around the country in which there still have not really had a, a, a recovery even from 2008 from what I understand and I've seen people encouraging in those markets where they've still had those issues to still kind of buy up property have you seen any of that um, again again this is just the people that I follow they're still kind of snatching up some cheap you know obviously not in Atlanta as you said this market is not doing that but there are some markets around the country oh, where maybe definitely oh my God, can absolutely. take advantage yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know if you can speak to some of those areas you've heard about. Uh, but, you know, cause again, I'm talking about the idea of I live in Atlanta, and maybe I've never thought to, if, for example, purchase a, a home in Detroit. I don't know what that looks like, or I'm not familiar with the market, or maybe I'm scared to do it because it's not where I live. Like, what, is, what does that conversation look like for you? Just in, again, obviously every individual situation is different, but just in general, what do you think about that? Okay, so that's an interesting question. Um, the great part about working with somebody like me, I have all the connections around the United States. So I have Keller Williams uh, partners all over mm-hmm. that I can then guide mm-hmm. people to because you want to talk to somebody in that market. They are also amazing, amazing, and you really want to vet everybody, but I have a couple of friends that actually went in on, uh, on like REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, and what they did is they basically bought into that. And what they're doing is they have somebody in like Detroit and St. Louis and, and they're actually going and buying, like, these multi-units and getting everybody in together on this. So they're pulling money to then go and buy these twenty to $40,000 uh, properties that are boarded up, and they're fixing it up and putting tenants in there. And ultimately, the end goal from that is within a certain amount of years, everybody ends up with their own multi-unit. And I think the investment was, like, twenty twenty to 25000 I also know, like, Birmingham, Alabama, you, you know, I got a lot of friends that are buying up over there right now because that's the next up and com- an up-and-coming city, and the cost of properties mm-hmm. are still low. Um, uh, Columbia, Georgia, right? So there's all these different places that you can still invest. Mm-hmm. Atlanta just doesn't have that. Well, I have clients right now right. that want to get something under 100000 and I'm like, you're going to get something that needs to be renovated, and there's just not a lot. Now, you start going further out, you do have opportunities. I think the key here is if you don't live in the city, make sure you have some connections to the city. Either you have a real estate agent. I have my girl in Cleveland, for example. She's picking up properties 15 and 60000 and she lives there. And I thought about doing it myself because then I have somebody, that if I have some issues, they know contractors, they have plumbers, they have everybody that can help out. If you don't have those connections, you're just going to blindly buy something. Remember that it's going to need to have some work done. You need to make sure you have somebody that has eyes on it. 
and you want to hire somebody that's going to be able to collect rent and understand what's happening in the community as well. Amber, anything? Again, I know we're talking about a lot of things. I definitely want to make sure we, uh, if anything sparked anything for you, anything, Queen? Um, so I did want to um, just ask a question. Um, I know um, there's lots of down payment assistance programs, um, and one that comes to mind is NACA. What, what are, I mean, what is the, the role of NACA in the um, home buying process? So that's a great question. So there's a few out there. NACA is one. I'm going to tell you right now, um, NACA is a great program for somebody that really kind of fits the criteria and needs some assistance and help. Their interest rates are, uh, are even lower a lot of times, and you can actually buy down your interest rate as well. The process can be very, very, very long. Now, and I hope that nobody that's listening to it works for NACA, but I did have a friend of mine that worked for NACA and gave me the whole breakdown of it. If you want to get through the process faster, Natalie, this is what you let your clients do. So I have kind of like this inside way of doing it because with NACA, you have to go to one of their seminars. You have to like first mm-hmm. get a ticket for the seminar, which is free, and a lot of times they're backed up. But honestly, if you just show up over there, most people don't show up anyway, so you can always get into any of the seminars. After that, they give you a date to when you go in, and you have to bring all the all the criteria that they need. They need to see your paying bills. There's all these extra things, and you have to go through like their home buying course, so to speak. But once you get in there, the challenge, honestly, is this. If you're in that 200000 and under price point, there's not a lot of inventory, and a lot of those will have multiple offers. Most listing agents and sellers are very hesitant taking on some of these down payment assistance programs versus maybe a cash buyer. That's a more short shot. Or maybe somebody that's buying conventional with 20% down right? because they have more skin in the game. So sometimes it's very difficult to get under contract with some of those programs. So that's when we as realtors, we try to find off-market properties. So I've had, and, and I've had clients that were NACA, and we got beat up by offers, even though I'm making the offer as clean as I can to, get, to win, and I was able to find them off-market properties. Like when I get a listing that's coming up that might fit them, I just brought them as the buyer for it or for sale by owners. Or, hey, I knew somebody, that, another agent that has a listing that's coming up in the area, and we just brought the buyer while they were doing the flip, right? So um, there are great programs out there. I always say that if you don't have to use a down payment program, don't. So in other words, if you have 401k retirement money, you can pull money out of there without being penalized to buy a house, your first house. So if you have that, you're a better one because outside of NACA, some of the other down payment assistance programs, their interest rates will be higher. So it might take you eight years to break even on the five $6,000 you got from them. So by NACA, you know, their interest rates are very low. Uh, it's a great program mm-hmm. if that is something that uh, would be a fit. So I'm not opposed to NACA. I just want people to know it's a longer process, and I will definitely help them through the process to get through it faster. But then also we have to be real creative and on finding the house and getting under contract. Yeah, I've definitely had a couple friends. Well, one in particular, she's been through their process twice or maybe even three times and it and again again like you said it's a great program but it's definitely a longer process and as you said because of the type of homes and and specifically here in atlanta i could imagine in other places maybe where the market's not so high that maybe you know maybe NACA works out even better again and we are a nationwide show so hopefully you know people 
in other markets wouldn't run into as many problems. But yeah, I definitely agree that it's a it's a decent program, but it is a, definitely a lot to go through pe- compared to the people I were able to help get loans for their homes um, in the past. We are up against another break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com. 404-465-4348. Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com. Call them at 404-465-4348. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, how can you take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market with my co-host, Amber Page, and special guest, Natalie Varia. Oh, thank you, Queen, again, for being with us. You've been giving us a wealth of information. Uh, speaking of, you said something that I want to jump on on real quick, tune in on, where you mentioned the idea of having to get creative with getting uh, a, a, a offer, if you will. And so in my relationships with the different real estate agents that I know, I think that's where a lot of agents kind of separate themselves and, and kind of show their worth in their ability to, in a sense, get a home, especially in a market like this that is a, a uh, when I understand, a seller's market, so you're going to be up against a lot of bids. Uh, so for, you know, maybe somebody like um, Amber or myself who eventually look to get into this process um, in deciding uh, who to go with, how do you even ask those questions to figure out if someone is creative with, uh, in a sense, the, the, the part that kind of determines, do I get the home I like? Because you really love this home, but you're competing with two other, two or three other people. How do I determine or vet an agent to figure out, are they going to be creative and in that key part of the process, if you will? Oh, I love the question. I love, love, love the question. So first question I would say, uh, if, if you're looking to hire a real estate agent, right, there's over, six, let me, there's over 6.9 million people in Atlanta. I don't even know what the number is now. But there are tons of real estate agents, and they're not all made the same. The first question I would have is, do you, are you full-time? So even with, like earlier we said, I've been in it for 2015, but um, I I mean, I have agents that have been in the industry for 25 years asking me for advice. So it doesn't mean how long they've been in it, but the one question you want to ask is full-time. And why is that important? Well, if you're in it full-time, this is your bread and butter. You're probably doing it and getting education. You're connected with other agents. You know what's going on. It's just you you don't want to get a part-time doctor when you have surgery, right? Same concept here. The second thing, um, would ask them if they're very – are they connected? So I just had a client that got on the contract and on, on a buyer that got on the contract and it was because I knew the other agent on the other end. 
because I teach here and I take bold classes, I take other classes, I know a lot of agents, so when offers come in, they want to work with an agent they know is going to make it a win-win because there are things that come up in a process. So sometimes if the numbers are all the same, the agent might want to pick somebody they know is going to be able to get that deal to the closing table for their seller. And then I would also ask is where do you get your properties? A lot of agents just look in FMLS and Georgia MLS. Those are two listing services out there. Great agents will also go and reach out to their network. If, uh, if somebody's looking for a flip, I know what side of town a lot of investors work with, uh, work at. I know agents that work with those investors. I'll send a blast out and say, hey, what do you have coming up in, you know, the, uh, the Oakland City area? I have a client in this, thresh, this market and this price point. Do you have anything? And they'll send me a list of their properties. Even investors that don't work with me, they have another agent, but they'll send me their properties, and then I'll reach out to their agent. And then ask them if they, are they comfortable working with for sale by owners. For sale by owners are basically people that don't want to hire an agent to sell their house. They think that they can do it themselves. By the way, average for sale by owner ends up making $30,000 less than if they hired an agent. So I always say if you're thinking about being a for sale by owner, don't get an agent. You could pro- you'll probably make more money with an agent even after the commissions. But I reach out to for sale by owners and say, hey, are you willing to pay my commission for my buyer? I have a buyer that this might fit. And if they say yes, great. So for sale by owners is a great way too. If an agent does not look for listings on a consistent basis, so I have about six listings coming up. If I pick up a buyer right now and it fits one of my listings, I might just go ahead and bring them to my seller right away. I can't represent both sides, so I then get somebody in my office involved to maybe hate the, help the buyer because I already know the seller, right? But we all ultimately want to find off-market property. So I would ask, are they full-time? Are they reputable in the community and are they connected? Where do you get those listings from? And then the last one is, do you know how to negotiate? Like, and how, how many of your buyers and how quickly do you get them under contract? Because I've picked up buyers that work with other agents for over a year to try to find a house. They got with us, and we got them under contract in three weeks. The other thing right. that so I let me, do that's so let me, different let me, let me, from, let me dig in. Let me dig in right there real quick just for some clarity. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I can ask. This agent that I'm vetting with, you know, these great questions, but you say, you know, how quickly do you get your buyers on the contract? Their answer is always going to be fast as hell. So how do I, as the at quest, you know what I mean, the the consumer per se, understand how um, to weed through that that answer? Because what every if I ask that question, and you know, maybe surprising to a to an agent, maybe a lot of people haven't vetted them that way. But I'm pretty sure they're going to always give me their best stories if that makes sense. Oh, you, oh, yeah, you know what? It's so funny you said that because I always tell the truth. So <laughs> I, I don't lie. So I always assume that people do that too, I guess. Uh, what, what you can do is you can go to Zillow and then pull down on their uh, on the Zillow and look at their reviews, right? Reviews mean a lot. And then ask them maybe, hey, the last five buyers that you have, can I talk to them and see how you worked? And if they're not willing to give their, wow. that information a connection to have a conversation, that's an issue. Uh, because most buyers that you work with, they want to see you be successful as a real estate agent, and they don't mind having a conversation with your potential future buyer. The other thing, too, is on Zillow, if you scroll down, not only looking at reviews, look at wh- how many houses they have sold recently and look at what those houses are. If you're a $700,000 buyer and all they've worked with is $150,000 houses, they might not have the network connection to know how to work that market or vice versa. Right, so uh, you can always go on. I, I'm not a big fan of Zillow because Zillow lies, by the way. When the Zillow <laughs> says that $400,000 house is only you know, $2,000 a month, 
keep in mind that they put in 20, 20% down, which most people don't put. They don't include taxes on it. They don't include homeowner's insurance on it. And that number is never right. So just keep that in mind. But other mm-hmm. than that, Zillow is a great place. Or Realtor.com is a great place to kind of vet that because you can see how many deals that they've had. Um, key critical game there. Amber, any, any thoughts on, again, just digging into this? Again, I'm just trying to pull out every piece of knowledge that she's gotten over these years in, in this two-hour show. Uh, she's even uh, pushed back a, a home showing just to give out this education. So, again, you, you can understand why I love Natalie. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm actually, you know, thank you, Queen, for doing that because I definitely don't want to cut into your money. You know, that's always been my rule. If, you know, you got a chance to make money or, or share with us, we'll get you at another time. So, thank you for making that making way but amber any thoughts on what you're hearing now because again we, you know we, we got to vet these people we got to know the questions to ask so i'm just trying to figure out how do i dig in because every agent is going to tell me they're great so I, I love the information she just gave us in reference to that i just wanted to ask you said that not many people put down the 20 percent how i mean right. that's what i've always seen so how is that I know. It's the biggest <laughs> myth out there. I have never put down 20%, and I'm probably, I'm probably never going to put down 20%. I feel like I could take that money and put it somewhere else. Now, the reason people say 20% is that, reduce, that takes away what's called principal mortgage insurance, and that's a monthly insurance on top of your homeowner's insurance that you have to have on FHA loans and things like that. So what it is is an extra monthly payment. Basically, you're paying into this pot that if you – if you don't pay your mortgage and you foreclose, then that's where the money comes in to kind of float that. Not for your property, but for everybody. So the 20% reduce takes away the PMI. There's other ways to get PMI off. And so I always tell my clients, I had a client that wanted 15%. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And this was during COVID when I knew the stock market was lower. And I felt like he could do better by putting some of that money in the stock market or somewhere else uh, versus putting it in, down on a house. Um, right. The way I say it is, if you can't put down 20%, then put down the least amount that you have to put down. That still gets you to good interest rates. So the average of what people put down, guys, is like 3.5%. So 3.5% is the normal what people put down. And you can put more. And if you're more higher risk and the more you put, your interest rates go down a little bit. So it's kind of a balancing act. So when I had my client that was going to put down 15%, talk to the lender, I think he ended up only putting down 5%. And then he's going to do whatever with the other one. And the reason for it is let's say that something really bad happens and you do foreclose on a house. You'll never get that 20% back. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody Mm -hmm. ever have to do that, but you basically put that down. And if you don't pay and a bank takes over your home, that money, your equity is gone from your house. So let me also add to that is if you're already starting to fall behind on your mortgage, guys, call me. There are programs out there. I have Keller offers that will buy a house cash, and you don't have to worry about getting it fixed up. I also have a program that's called um, 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 Move and Improve, Improve and Move, which I have my contractors coming in. If you have enough equity to fix the paint the place, put carpet down, and then we put it on the market and sell it fast because everybody wants to move in ready house, and you don't pay them until closing. So I have programs on XMF. That program I also use for my buyers sometimes. So, so, you know, in that market that's hard to find, that 250 and under properties, everybody wants to move in new floors, new granite countertops, new paint, right? So what I'm able to do with some of my buyers is we go in in a house that doesn't have new carpet, doesn't have new paint, and we tell the seller we have a contractor that will come and do it. They pay out of closing, 
and we negotiated that way, and my client is able to move in with those things already done, and it's built into their mortgage. Sorry, I, I get Very so excited creative. about this topic. <laughs> no, I know. I love it. I, I, again, this is why I, anytime I want to talk about real estate or housing, I, I bring you in because there's going to be so many creative ideas. Uh, but let's talk about this because you mentioned this as well, which is a perfect segue. I was going to go into this anyway. We were talking about this, even the concept of foreclosure and things of that nature. You know, we had the CARES Act basically offer foreclosure relief to the end of the year. Uh, but unfortunately, the reality is for some people, uh, the job market is still scarce to the extent that while they may not be paying rent to the end of the year, some of those people can already foresee that all you know even with that relief they're still going to be in trouble come January, if you will, and so some people don't know to consider or or I guess maybe the question is if they know they're still going to be in trouble in January, um, what is the concept of short sale or should they even be looking at that if, if January they wasn't able to, in a sense, get enough money or save enough money to be okay, uh, you know, once their mortgage payment starts back, um, what does that look like, Nat, and the idea of a short sale for someone in that situation? Yeah, and um, and I didn't realize we were national, so let me scale back on conversations with Atlanta. What I, what I would say is if you're feeling like you might not be able to, then still reach out to me. Even if you're in Arizona or New York, reach <laughs> out to me because I can connect you with a realtor that has the skill set, okay? One of the reasons I say talk to somebody now is majority of the markets are still pretty hot. And if your market is still good, then selling right now before you get in that situation to be able to cash out and take your money and then be able to go and rent for a little bit until you know what's happening might be a good option for you. And, and sometimes it might be, hey, they have a basement. Let's go ahead and get a tenant on the basement to offset some of the costs or rent out a room if you're comfortable with that. Right? So it's not always let's short, short sell and foreclose. The key is have the conversations now before you get to that point. Um, but I also will add that a lot of people that didn't need to take advantage of the forbearance of their mortgages did. And this is what you need to know. Make sure that if you're thinking about downsizing or selling your place and maybe going buying something smaller, if you did forbearance, you might not be able to buy now because they're going to look at that and, they, and say you weren't able to pay your mortgage. So these are conversations you mm -hmm. want to make sure you have before you make a decision. But one thing I do know is you don't want to lose your house and you'll be better off. I have a client right now that I'm getting ready to sell their house and they're not employed. And she was like worried that she's not going to be able to get catch up. And she has a lot of equity. I said, we're going to sell her house, and she's probably going to move up, boom back, back up north uh, to be closer to her family. So we're going to cash out. She's going to sell it, and we're actually doing the move and improve. They're going to do the paint, do all the stuff, and then she's going to still be able to sell it while she can because if this continues, she might, be, she might end up foreclosing on the house because she's not being able to make a payment. And now all her $80,000 worth of equity in the house would have went to the bank. Listen, that's why we call you. <laughs> that's why we call you. We're up against another break. Um, we just got another caller um, that just got on. Make sure if you're trying to get in on this discussion, you please press 1 to let us know that you want to speak if you're already on the phone lines. Again, we got several callers. People listen that way, so they're, they're, not, they're still on, so they're definitely loving the information. Um, or, you know, maybe we're covering everything they want. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 Four six seven eight seven one six nine one. We'll be right back.
LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Wanted to shout out LNG Technologies. They were one of our first sponsors. Uh, we've actually been online on the air for a little over five years now, and they supported us the first couple of years and um, came back with the sponsorship just a couple of months ago, so definitely want to shout them out. Um, if you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, uh, definitely give me a call directly at 404. 404- Four six zero four nine four seven seven, or contact us via social media, whether it's Facebook at Mental Dialogue or IG at Mental Underscore Dialogue. We are fortunate enough to have on Natalie Vardejo, our real estate expert, on this morning's discussion question: How can you take advantage of the COVID nineteen housing market? Um, Amber, my great co-host, I know you're getting you're sticking through this, getting a little under the weather. Um, but if there, you know, any questions you have, please, you know, jump in uh, with that. Um, I wanted to talk about the flip side of as you just kind of broke down all of the different possible options versus just getting foreclosed on. But the reality is, uh, you know, even after the CARES Act in, there are going to be foreclosures out there, and there are some investors that are already eyeing the idea of, you know, people that may be already moving to the short sale because what I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Natalie, um, if you end up having to short sale, uh, that ends up still being better than an actual foreclosure. I've, you know, heard the idea of people being back in a home within a couple of years after a short sale. So so if that is the decision, it is a little better than an actual foreclosure for one. But on the flip side, for investors that are looking to take advantage of that, um, can you kind of jump into – what does that look like or what should an investor look for? Uh, you know, kind of hate to, you know, maybe taking, some, taking advantage of somebody's pain, but it's the reality. The market is what it is. And for somebody maybe wanting to take advantage of finding cheaper homes because of that, um, talk, talk to me about that, if you will, Queen. Well, I will, let me start off by saying I'm not an attorney. I'm bankruptcy attorney at all. And everybody's situation mm-hmm. is different. So if you are starting to fall behind on your mortgage first on the, on the side that you're the owner, 
make sure to reach out to somebody that can talk you through it. Do not go on online and start Googling information. Do not talk to friends of yours because their situation could have been different than yours. Go to the professional, and if you don't know somebody that's reputable, you know, feel free to reach out to me, and I'll find, I, I'm network queen. I will find somebody in any state, any place in the United States she if is. I need to help you out. Now, on the other side of it is investors. So I have a, quite a bit of investors that go, hey, Natalie, let me know. I want some foreclosures or what they call distressed properties. So that's people that can't pay either short sales, foreclosures. Our market in Atlanta, for example, we have such a small percentage of that. I think last time I saw it was like 1.8%. Mm-hmm. And honestly, oh, wow. they have big hedge funds. that Yeah, it's really small right now. So things are really good still. Do we think that's going to go up? Absolutely. We do think it's going to increase. And that's why I mentioned to investors or people that are wanting to go in, uh, in, in real estate investment world, Make sure your, your cash and your, your items are liquid. So if you have a lot of equity in your house, you might do an equity line on it. So when the market does start slipping down and we start seeing an increase of uh, mm-hmm. distressed properties, and even if we get to 25%, there'll be a lot more inventory for you to take advantage of the market dipping, which is unfortunate for the people that own the homes, but it is an opportunity mm-hmm. for people to build wealth. During the down market in real estate, that's when people that have extra wealth become even extra wealthy because they go in and take advantage mm-hmm. of that. So if you are an investor, you want to kind of take advantage of that. You, what you want to do is partner with a realtor that understands the investment world and understands the stats and is partnered with, with great lenders or hard money lenders and that they can have you on like standby. So when the market is starting to shift, that's when they pull out and start calling you to help you through the process and show you where you can go ahead and buy some more property and, and make some money in the future. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, in our, you know, and that's in the ideal world, you, we would somebody looking to invest would do just that, connect with a, a realtor with your knowledge base and things of that nature. Uh, but if you will, and I've heard you talk about this in the past, and this is where a, a lot of investors go wrong and again, I'm not saying it's simple to find someone as good as you, you know, if you will. But just a few things that I would that I recall from some of your other conversations where I've had you come to our community club is the idea of how investors sometimes get duped looking into the numbers because they're new to it and they're not familiar with, yeah. like you said, a lot of the the extensions of, like, for example, you talked about it earlier, where the, the the contractor you're using doesn't pay their staff and it extends it, and that extension gets you stuck with a hard money loan that's very expensive. So for some an investor that there's a lot of things that are not considered. If you could just even jump into what that looks like for a newer investor, because I could say if I'm not I'm not one of these people, but that would be a scary world once I talk to you, because when I'm jumping into it, I'm probably talking to somebody who may be just selling me on the good parts of it, if that makes sense. So there's so much that I'm unaware of. Right. And the reality is you have to jump in and get some experience. But if you could save me from some of the heartaches of what they're not sharing me, what type of things do you want a, a, a like I say, not a savvy investor? You know, they're, I, know you, I know you enjoy working with them because y'all get creative. But for a new investor that wants to say, I want to do it, I got some extra cash, how do you, what do you, how do you want, help them not get burned? Because a lot of investors do get burned, even in real estate, believe it or not. Right. So I will say, first of all, I always say go into, go into a market that you know is pretty solid regardless of what happens. So I call it the first time home buyer market. Regardless of what's happening in okay. the economy, 
uh, the first time home by a price one tends to still sell, right? And so you're going into a market that's that. Don't be the first house on the block that needs to be renovated if you do flips, right? Because remember, you have to think about it from a viewpoint of a buyer. When they walk into that area, uh, you know, what are they going to feel? What are they going to think? Like, you want to make sure that the house is not on a floodplain, right, flood zone. Because if it is, the buyer has to actually pay for flood insurance. Well, that goes into their costs, and your house is no longer attractive. And then how are you getting financed? Understand the hard money loan. You have your, start, uh, your actual money that you have to bring down to the table, like down payment on that. You also have your high interest rates that are happening in as well, right? You have your, you know, draws and how does that work. You normally have to have some money up front to be able to at least start the project because you don't get all that money up front. You get it in draws. So once you do this part of the project, you get more. You can do this part of the project, you get more. Always, if, they, if you think it's going to take three months to do the job, Budget for six months of the overhead of every month that you have to make the payment because it's going to be delayed. It always is. Understand if there's anything happening in the city. Like in Atlanta, our mayor, uh, Keisha, ended up putting a moratorium on certain sides of town where you don't get any building permits issued right now, and she, I think it just got extended. And so I know a couple of people that were getting ready to buy and flip over there, they would have been stuck on this for the next six months potentially. She has the right to do that for 12 months. So understand what's happening with zoning and permits when you're pulling in. Is your general contractor licensed? Because, and by the way, always pull permits. If you don't pull permits, that's going to make good, invest, uh, good buyer's agents not want to send a buyer to you. Pull permits, make sure that their work is correctly done. Because, you know, that's what we're supposed to. Um, break the next down thing is me, understand. Because um, that's a break down, break down the pulling of a permit. I don't know what that I – I, I would have to look it up. So break that down to me if I had okay, to. Okay, got you it. tell so, me as an investor. Yeah, tell me what is that. So anytime you do any kind of work in your home, electrical, plumbing, adding square footage, and a lot of times what they'll do is they'll close in the garage or carport maybe to add more square footage to be able to sell a bigger house. When you do work like that, what you need to do based on the process is go and apply for permits from the, from the city, right, or county city. And, so, and then what they do is they give you the permit, and then as you do the, the project, you have to then have them come and check to make sure that it was up to code, okay? A lot of investors won't do that part because they don't want to deal with that extra hassle. And when you do that, you also have to have a general uh, li- contractor, licensed contractor that has to stamp that work for them. So if you have your handyman that's your neighbor doing your electrical and you're pretty skillful, now you're going to do some of the plumbing in the, in the bathroom yourself, uh, that's fine. But you have, you have to have somebody that's licensed, that it's done correctly. And there's some things that you can do as an investor yourself. That's fine. But you want to make sure that you're pulling permits. I will not allow my clients to buy a house that's not permitted. Now, so let me, some of my I clients have chosen to put an offering on it. Question. Mm-hmm. Real quick question, because I think I understood that. Like you said, they say, I, so yeah, I know how to do plumbing work. I'm just saying, for example, and so in me doing it myself, the work could be great. But since I did it that way, more likely I didn't have it inspected, to, and so therefore it wouldn't be a permit on it. Am I understanding what you just explained to me correctly? Right. So in other words, you kind of do it yourself, and then when a buyer comes, they do their own inspection, and I mm. had this happen to me, right? And then they do the inspection, okay. they're like, well, the plumbing and electrical wasn't done correctly, and, you know, and let's say that they, don't have, they didn't have a permit. So now I know as an agent, 
they never had the county come and look at this to make sure it was done correctly based on right. code. Right. So by doing the permit, I'm telling the buyer, listen, we did everything by the book. Everything has been documented. And this is why it's important mm-hmm. for agents or buyers, by the way, if they did not permit it and they did electrical and you move into the house, and according to records, it still has the old electrical panel, and then your house burns down with the electrical, you're, because, because it wasn't permitted, you just, they might, your insurance company might deny the claim and not rebuild your house. So that's the other reason Very I don't like important. buyers to do that, you know, buying a house that's not, because if something happens, the insurance mm-hmm. company, if they find out it was done and it wasn't permitted, and it was just done by somebody. They can say that the reason that that electrical panel caught fire was because it wasn't permitted and so you just had somebody else do mm-hmm. it, right? And so that, that's why I'm big on that. And you have investors all day long arguing me down saying, I'm not pulling permits. I don't need to. I use licensed people, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, when the buyer buys it and if there's a claim, then that might be an issue. So if you mm-hmm. buy a property or you're looking at a property or you're an investor that's that's not doing it, or you're hiring a contractor, you're like, don't worry about it, you're Mr. Investor, you don't need permits, then you challenge them, say, you want permits, and period. And if they're going to do the work in your house, that's what you want. A lot of times they don't want to do the permits because they might not have a general contractor that's licensed. They just have handyman and people that are doing work. And they do great work. They just don't have the GC that's double-checking it and can stamp it. Mm, I need a permit, no, very, period. very critical. <laughs> Right, you need a permit, girl You need a permit And you can actually get a permit after the fact So now when I have buyers that love a house And it's not permitted They could go back and pull permits after the fact And then the city can go ahead and and, and process Because of COVID, you can have uh, um, private inspectors to do it That's licensed And so I have my inspector that It's going to cost about $1,200 or so Because there's about 8 to 12 inspections that they have to do To prove to the city that it was permitted And sometimes if the city Mm. finds out it wasn't permitted This doesn't happen a lot But what they could do The city has the right to come in Or the county and the city has the right to come in there And check the electrical and the plumbing Which means they would have to, uh, you know, go go through the drywall And break out the drywall to get in there to see if it was done right. And you don't want an owner that buys a new house and then they have to start breaking that through. Because it could be that nosy neighbor that says, hey, they just did all this work over here, you know, and they didn't permit it. And now you moved in there, you inherited that problem because you're the owner of the house. Wow. Now, this is beautiful information. We're up against our last break, um, so we're going to go to our last break. For the callers, again, now, y'all are out there listening. If you want to get in, it's always an adjustment for calling the blog talk. It's just you have to press 1 if you want to ask a question. We definitely want to make sure we're answering any questions, or hopefully we're covering most of them. Again, we'll be right back. How can you take advantage of the COVID-19 housing market? Is a commercial by Money Motivation. Look them up at moneymotivation.com. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. 
Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group, focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Amber Page. Again, if you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience on all the radio, please contact me. One correction on that commercial. We Right now, we're not having our live events. Um, and a shout-out to Urban Grind, Black-owned coffee shop here in the Midtown area of Atlanta. Uh, right now, we are doing everything online due to COVID, speaking of the COVID housing market. Uh, so, Mental Dialogue Connections is the name of our online event. The next one is November the 6th. So we are still dedicated to creating what I call our virtual neighborhood. We could be neighbors even though we don't live next to to one another. And as you can see, I have amazing people like Natalie, uh, our real estate expert that we can con- connect you with. Um, Amber, I know you again. Thank you for being with me and getting through um, not feeling well this morning. I'm going to kind of shortly put you on the spot because you mentioned the idea of uh, you have this dream of, in a sense, people in your family, you know, in a sense, buying a home. And I think I understood kind of making money off the home. And I'm pretty, hopefully you've been taking notes and soaking up the game that Natalie's been giving us. Uh, but I wanted you to just kind of dig in. And, and if you have this idea of doing it, uh, just maybe ask a few questions of Natalie of just even getting through the process. Because as you can see, she's not just a real estate agent. She's not just a realtor with her background. She can speak to numbers. She can speak to the construction and all these different areas of it. So this again, this is why I love her. So, uh, but just even the idea of figuring out what that might look like for your family, if you're in a sense, maybe going to serve as the catalyst, um, just, you know, really dig in and, and talk about, you know, what getting that, that dream that you have, what it might look like when you have some, who can, you know, give you a lot of guidance on getting there, if that, if that makes sense. So I don't know what, what that sparks for you, but I hope um, you can kind of dig in and ask her a few questions in reference to getting having that dream come true, if that makes sense. Thank you. I, uh, I do want to know, um, I know we mentioned that it's a good idea to have a contract, um, you know, a uh, just a personal contract between you and the other members that will be purchasing the home. Uh, what type of information would you suggest for, you know, that contract? Oh, that's a great question. And again, I am not an attorney. So if you're an attorney, listen to the show. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just talking in terms of my business skills and real estate skills. So one, depending on what you're the house expert. is being used for, so if the house is being used for, like, income-producing property, how are, the, how are the profits going to be distributed? How are any repairs that need to be done in the house going to be taken care of? Is the money going to be sitting in, in an escrow account that nobody takes anything out? Maybe once a year you guys take money out. Or I know a couple of people that did this, and what they did is nobody made money for the first five to ten years. And they, what they 
properties, and then later on they'll start having. We don't need to make money now. We're just. Really talking about the goal. Or. Yeah, hey, Natalie. Their ownership. Right? Um, if they are, if it's a husband and wife and the wife owns it, making sure that the husband does not have the rights to it if they if something happens to the wife unless they peeled in. So it's really about protecting for the unknown. The unknown being people not pitching in, uh, or the unknown of being maybe they don't want to um, be part of this in the future, or they pass away. Is it going to go to the kids? So there's all these things of talking about in the future that needs to be on paper, because if somebody passes away and their kids now say, I want to sell, well, what are the rules? If they want to sell, but you guys don't want to sell, how do we buy them out? And about what value? Um, Amber, were you able to hear most of that? Because I, I sound like for a second you it, got you disconnected. Cut out, Somebody yeah, may have gotten you disconnected. cut out just a little bit. But did we oh, already catch most of what uh, she said? On. I'm just making sure. No, 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 no. I think we got. I think we got most. But that's why I'm checking with Amber. Were you able to catch to the majority of what, what she said, or you may want to kind of dig in a little more if you miss some of it? Um. So, no, that was pretty good. I mean, I, I kind of got the gist of it. It's just the uh, pinning down the unknown. Um. You know, the things yeah. that may come up. So that's good. Um. What was I? Um, I was thinking that. Um, so my forever, my dream, this dream for me is going to be the forever home. Um, so you know, I'll definitely consider those things that you just mentioned. Right, and then if you're doing yeah, you it with your family that are current, do you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Natalie. You're good. Please. Yeah, so if you're doing it with family right now, let's say you're bringing in three of your, your cousins, for example, right, and everybody wants that forever home. Well, guess what? Their kids, when they grow up, don't want the forever home. They want the money and move to Costa Rica for their forever right. home, right? <laughs> so you want to make sure you have it set up in somehow where if somebody wants to get out and give away, I mean, sell their portion, they can, right? So that's the part that you want to make sure because what everybody wants now and what the generations later want could be two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's major. Let me ask you about that real quick because we know we're definitely coming to the end of our show. And again, obviously, this is the market you know you know very well. Uh, but even the concept of let's go collectively, if you will, this concept of uh, trying to own more land, trying to own more you know homes, if you will, which is you know unfortunately um, home ownership for our community collectively has remained the same, unfortunately, you know, over the last 40 or 50 years, and you hear people kind of fussing and fighting about that. Uh, But when you talk about this idea of, like, the next generation, um, from a collective standpoint, and and America being what it is, there's not a lot of, in a sense, places left to build, if you will, but ownership now being a focus, uh, just from your perspective, being in this industry, knowing it so well, from a long-term, maybe younger generation, what might they do to improve on what hasn't been done, in a sense, for them? Uh, what does ownership look like, in, 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 for example, in places where it's harder to get 
your hands on a home like an Atlanta. So with that being a reality, but people saying we just need to own more, it, sometimes it's not that simple. So I, I said a lot in there, but if you could kind of just dig and peel that back for, you know, as we kind of end this show and want to definitely get out your contact information as well uh, before we let you go. But just, you know, more of that collective perspective of we should own more. And that, in my opinion, looks very different, particularly with this market and maybe going forward. You know, um, one. You may have cut out now. A whole block. Okay, you're coming back in now. You're coming back in now. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Talk about that buying the block. I like this. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah. So I love the concept of buying a block. You 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 drive around in certain cities and you see blocks that are just boarded up, boarded up. Like why not? pull together your friends who all are thinking about investing and buying and go over there and buy the block and renovate the block all the way. And then take it from there and start renovating the grocery store that's around the corner. Like make a change in a community that maybe you came from or you see that needs some help. Um, what's happening now is the investors that are doing it in certain ones are out of the country investors, big reach from maybe another city. Like they're not from here or the city that you're in, right? So why not get in the concept of, the differences of how I think our next generation might look at things because now there are there are people that are creating real estate investment trusts and doing exactly that, right? With the average person that has little extra cash flow, don't have like millions of dollars in a bank, but they're pooling their money together. The second part I say is buy some land. Like in Atlanta, you're right, Atlanta's tough, but you start going to Fayetteville, McDonough, you can still get mm-hmm. land for like mm-hmm. a decent price. Pull money together and just buy land and hold it. Because the one thing we can't make more of is land. In the future, that land mm-hmm. is going to have more value. And you don't have to pay as much taxes on land as if you go buy a, a house, right? Because the value is less. And then later on, if you want to, develop on the land. Build a subdivision. Build your own city if you want to. Like, think big. But it starts with ownership. Mm-hmm. And Anything that is amazing later on is probably not going to come easy. The one thing that does come kind of easy is buy your first house where you live because we have all these programs set aside. But then becoming an investor is a different mindset. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the big really succeed when you start thinking big and then looking into how do we do this and bringing people in. I would love to get together with, and I've already told a bunch of my friends this, when the market starts dipping, I need all of us to pull our money together and let me go out here and create a real estate portfolio for us for the future. And a lot of all my friends are saying, heck yeah, let's do it. So we're thinking bigger yeah, than so probably y'all our ancestors. To get yeah, y'all trying to, yeah, you're trying to get liquid so you can grab them up. Now, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, for the caller that just got in, I do apologize. We're at the end of this show. Uh, you do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak, but I just want to make sure uh, for all this amazing information. Um, Amber, let me check with you. Uh, any last questions before I um, really, in a sense, turn it over to Natalie to let people know how they can get in contact with her with all of these resources. Um, but any, any, any last questions for you, but thank you, Amber, for pushing through the show. And again, I know you wasn't feeling well this morning. No, I'm good. Thank you so much, Natalie, for your your knowledge. No, definitely oh, it's been my pleasure. I always taking... enjoy getting on the show. No, thank you. And um, anybody that's taking notes or if you're listening, make sure you share this particular show. It'll be ready for 
uh, replay uh, within 15 minutes afterwards. So just basically share it to people that missed out on this vast of information. But at this point, Natalie, again, you've been wonderful. If you will, Queens, let people, you know, if you have a closing thought, throw it out. we got two minutes before the end of the show, but just make sure you get out whatever contact information or anything that you have going on. Again, I know you're always teaching classes and things of that nature. So get all that information out at this time, Queen. Again, you've been wonderful as always. Uh, appreciate you for making time for us. Oh, thank you. Well, the best way to on social media, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, last name is Vuariajo, V as in Victor, U-O-R-I-A-H-O. On Instagram, I'm Natalie V, Realtor. And then on my phone number is 404-844-9406. And you can uh, get all that information on my website, which is Vuariajo Group, V U O. R as in Robert, I-A-H-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Yeah, but if you don't mind, I know I know you got to go show a house here, but if you could recall, um, everything you just said for contact information, like text me or message me on, message me so that I can put that on all the replays so when people hear it, they can literally sure just will. look at it when they replay yeah, because we have two-thirds of our listeners listen on their own time. That's the beauty of podcasting. Um, I, again, I like doing it live and, and taking the callers if we get them. So definitely appreciate you, Eric, for getting in. Uh, again, our, most of our callers just hung on. So they definitely appreciated the information and hopefully we covered the things they needed. Uh, with that said, I appreciate you again, Queen. Appreciate you, Amber. It's been an amazing show. Um, i got a few extra minutes here. I'll just remind people, you know, we do more than the show. So mentaldialogue.com is where you go to see everything that we do, become a supporter, become a member. If you have a business you want to promote, uh, definitely consider joining at some of the higher levels, the gold levels or platinum levels or the black level, which is our highest in support, and make sure this intelligent radio, as I like to call us, stays on the air. Again, we, you know, we're not competing with all those doing the popular conversations. We're doing the hard and educational conversations that we need to have to advance ourselves. So with that said, we'll see you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.